Welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise Podcast with Moira Kasaba. And today, oh my gosh, you guys put on your seatbelts. I have the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence, in the house on the show today. You guys, this is going to blow your mind. This man is, it's hard to wrap my head around what he has physically, mentally, emotionally, willingly put himself through, broken world records. I'm not even going to get into all the details yet because these records that he has broken, you're not, you're not even going to be able to comprehend them with the, you know, our normal minds. But here's the coolest thing about James. I asked him in the show, and you'll hear this, that I said, you know, you, you got to be you got to be cut from a different cloth. There's got to be something genetic about you that's radically different from all of us. And his answer surprised me and made my heart so happy that he is just a normal guy, y'all. He is a normal guy that has accomplished exceptionally insane things by building himself up mentally, emotionally, physically every single day. So you are going to be beyond inspired, beyond motivated, and you're going to learn so much. So let's dig in. James, I'm so excited to have you here today. I am fascinated by you, by what you're doing, by what you've done. I want to ask you all the questions. You are quote unquote, the iron cowboy. So I want to know that first. Where'd that nickname come from? (laughs) Well, uh, so I do, I do endurance racing, specialize in the iron distance. Um, So for those that don't know, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, 26.2 mile marathon run, 140.6 miles. Um, With that said, it's the least friendly spectator sport on the planet. (laughs) And um, I've got five kids. And when I first started doing my, my career in racing, the kids just came with us to all of our races when they were young. Yeah. And because it's the least friendly spectator sport and because we all look the same and we all blend in, a lot of times you would, you would miss your support system. Yeah. And um, so I, I try to involve my kids in everything I do. And uh, they would make these fun signs for me. And I would wear they – they would pick a cowboy hat that I would wear oh during God. the marathon so that they'd see me coming. And um, during our 2012 world record – um, I did a lot of races, races around the world, and um, the, the public just started to call me the Iron Cowboy. I love which, it. Which is entertaining because I'm allergic to uh, both horses and hay. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What a great nickname, though. I mean, it's just, first of all, it's pretty badass. And second of all, though, it involves your family and your kids, which is so cool. How old are your kids now? So I have four daughters and then a son. Uh, my son's my youngest. He's 13. And my oldest daughter is 20. Gotcha. Wow. So 20 to 13. You're going through what I've been going through. <laughs> so God bless us both, right? Well, my, yeah. My, my two oldest have actually moved out. And so we're down to three. Wow. And so, uh, but they're, they're super helpful and they, they've stayed local They're One just graduated from college or university and the other ones uh, just graduated beauty school and is running her own little salon. That's awesome. That is awesome. So let's let's just dig into the big world record. Do you want to share what you did back in not I don't want to say back in the day because that sounds like it was a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. And and for a little, you know, just so people have a grasp of this, I did ask you how old you were right before we started because I'm like, I gotta know. Like you're doing incredible feats that really shouldn't be humanly possible, honestly. Yeah. You're 47 now. And you go ahead and talk about kind of what you set out to do. And then I really want to get back, get into like, how in the world did you even come up with this idea to conquer this? Yeah. So it's, I mean, I started super simple with a four mile fun run with my wife, Mm. Um, suffered through it and just got sore knees, the whole, the whole gamut. A four mile fun run is where you started. I love that. And I just want to pause there because that's, that's where every journey begins. Right. And people think they could never do the big, great things, but it all starts with a small, tiny step. Yeah. Every, every journey has a humble beginning Mm -hmm. and, and 
social media is amazing, but one of the problems with it is everybody's an expert and everybody's posting their best moments. And so we start to compare ourselves Mm -hmm. against all of these perfect moments. And what it does is it prevents the newest member of trying to do something or come into it a little bit timid or scared because yeah. they're like, well, everybody's an expert already. Why, where, where do I fit in? Yeah. Uh, but th- they're, they're not realizing that, you know, anything that I post now, I, I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. Um, and I did have a beginning at some point in time. And I, now I take for granted what we know and what we do. Um, <clears throat> but fast forward, you know, do, do one Ironman and get into racing in 2010. So this was like right around 40, maybe 30, late thirties. No, this, so, so, um, two so i started late 20s late 20s okay late 20s i had two little girls at home we were uh, third was on its way um so in 2008 is when i did my very first full iron man in 2008 you needed to get out of the house <laughs> yeah <I guess laughs> and so. get some alone time <laughs> well no my, well my my wife races too um, oh awesome and, and so she's she's quite the athlete herself um, so in 2010, I was raising money for charity and we ended up breaking mm-hmm. the world record for the most half Ironmans done in a year. And then that led us to believe that we could break the, the world record for the most Ironmans in a year. And that was in 2012, ended up doing 30 Ironmans through 11 countries, all official events around the world, um, and just had an incredible experience, learned a lot. Again, wasn't ready, didn't know everything when I started, but learned as I progressed through it. And then um, in 2015, what I'm most known for um, uh, up up until 2015 was um, 50 Ironmans in 50 days through all 50 U.S. states, and so we we just we just put out a, cha- a challenge and said, you know what is what we're going to do, and we threw all five of our kids into a motorhome, started in Hawaii, went to Alaska. And then circumvented the the lower 48, did, did 140.6 miles every single day, drove through the night to get to the next state, put the event on there and just rinse and repeat. And it was absolute, absolute chaos. I can't, I mean, I'm like, my mind's, you know, always trying to wrap itself around just the physicality of the race. It's insane. I mean, it's just sure. not normal. But then just now I'm thinking, wait, just getting from A to B, just getting from state to state in under 24 hours. Well, that, I mean, you got to think an Ironman every day, it takes, we we were averaging 14 to 16 hours to just to do the Ironman. And then you've got to recover logistics and move and get to the next state. We, I I had to consume 12,000 calories a day. And we were averaging less than four hours of sleep a night. And so that, that really starts to compound in the fatigue factor. And, you know, when, when you, when you're under stress and fatigue and anxiety and chaos sets in, um, it becomes harder to do tasks that you're normally are normally easy, quote unquote, easy when you're feeling great. Now throw in exhaustion, fatigue, and chaos. It amplifies, um, kind of what, what you have in front of you. I I don't even know where to begin (laughs) because it's like, you know, the average Joe feels like it's, you know, difficult to go run a 10 K and, you know, they have to train for that. What kind it's one thing to say, you know, to kind of find out the science of the training that goes into it, but what, what goes into it mentally? Like I can't imagine them, the mental and emotional prep for that. And then how you actually handle that, you know, what, what those hours outside the 14 to 16, when you're racing, yeah. you're, you're sleeping, you're eating, but what else, what else are you doing to kind of fuel your body to recover, to take care of your mind, all of that? Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in the middle of something like that, it's, it's just a, you go into survival mode. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why what happens before that is preparatory and, and the most important things, because you, you can't you know, when you're in chaos, you, it has to be so automatic that everything you've done leading up to that point allows you to do that in chaos. And so, um, you know, I, number one question I get, I travel around the world. I've spoken in 51 countries. And number one question I get is how do I become more mentally tough? And you, you can't just wake up one day 
and go to battle and in whatever it is you're doing and be mentally tough. You, you have to, it's like, it's like, it's like building your physique. It's like, it's like building muscles. It's like strength. It's like cardio. It's like distance. You have to build all of that up and your mind is no different. Right. And a lot of people, you know, we buy gym memberships and we buy all these things and we invest in our nutrition and whatnot. How many of us are investing time and money into our mind? How many of us carve mm-hmm. out time to develop that strength in it? Grow? Your, your mind, it doesn't have a limit to what yeah. it can do. It'll continue to adapt, evolve, grow, and, and, and it'll absorb anything that you put it through. And so I think that's, that, that, that's a, a, a moment for pause where people need to ask themselves, yeah. okay, yeah, no, I do. I, I, I work out at the gym. I do the, why don't I do yeah. things to increase my mind? And so for me, my mental journey started, you know, I, I did a lot of sports growing up, but I really gravitated towards wrestling mm. and to me, I think every young man and woman really should do combat or something challenging yeah. that is like one-on-one, mono-mono. If I win, it's my fault. If I lose, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And you learn, I learned a lot of the mental side of things by do, doing wrestling. I didn't, I didn't have anybody else to, to blame. I either did the work, I didn't do the work. And when, when you're getting beat, it, you that's mental toughness. You decide, am I going to overcome this moment? Am I gonna, And if I lose, am I going to show up again? And and try to become better. And so you can't you can't wake up one day just go to with no experience and go to war. And so you have to, I, I you know you it's cliche you hear it all the time, but you have to intentionally seek discomfort. Yes, absolutely. And, I mean that go, gets you ready for chaos. Yes, 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 yes. You are like speaking my language, and this is something I'm so passionate about. So a lot of times people will ask me to speak because I have this, you know great coaching and fitness background. And I only really love to talk about the mental aspect. And I always say, if I have, you know, if I wake up late and I don't have time in the morning to do both things, I always choose the mind work over the physical work. I can, I can squeeze the workout in later on, but like my mind, my mindset and, and prepping that to get stable and strong for the day and stronger every day. I choose that every day of the week because that affects literally everything in your life. I, and you just said in a nutshell, how do you get mentally tough? You get beat. (laughs) I like that. I think that needs to be a slogan or a quote. How do you get mentally tough? You get beat. I mean, it's radically, radically different. And you're so right with these individual sports. You know, my kids play, my son golfs, but he also plays a lot of team sports and it's always, you know, this person didn't do this or the ref this or whatever. And when you're in these individual sports, it's a very different mind game that you're playing for sure. It's, it's interesting. I look back at my career and yeah, I did a lot of, you know, team sports and stuff, but the sports I gravitated to were golf, wrestling and triathlon. Mm-hmm. All three happen to be individual sports where I, I can't blame anybody else. Yeah. And, and yes, there's a team in everything that I do that gets you to the moment of competition, right. coaches and mentors and all these things. But when you're, when it's go time, it's just you out there. Yeah, experience and 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 so that I I find it fascinating. That's kind of where I've ended up. And if you look at the three sports I love the most, they're all individual pursuits. Yeah, that's fascinating. So you just talked about intentionally getting yourself like uncomfortable, right? So our ice bath is actually getting delivered tomorrow. So I'm super excited about that. So no, that's something. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not excited about that. Well, yeah, right. I'm not. I'm not really excited about it, but I am, you get it. But things like that, you know, that we can actually practice that we can do, you know, you can go to cryotherapy, you can go to a, you know, there's ice tub places popping up all over the place, but what other things do you practice or that do you suggest people practice that they can actually take and go, okay, I'm going to start doing that. I I think it's going to be different for everybody and what their current routines are. Yeah. Um, and, And to form this maybe question in a different way is, to intentionally do something uncomfortable to me means facing your fears Mm. and everybody runs away from their fears. And so I think the first thing someone should do is like, okay, let's isolate what we're scared of. Yeah. And then really break that down and try to figure out why we're scared of that. And then like anything, you break it down into a uh, a manageable piece or component that you can overcome. So if the fear is big, you're not going to overcome it in one go. You're going to break that down and slowly and slowly. Like if you're scared of water, right? Scared of swimming. That's what barrier of entry is, is, a lot of people say, oh, I don't do triathlon. It's got some swimming in there. There's open yeah. water. There's sharks in there. It's dark. All these things. It's cold. All these, you know, all these things start coming out. 
Well, in order to overcome that, you got to get into a, a safe pool. Yeah. And then you got to get closer to the deep end and then you got to let go of the wall. And then you got to, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, all these little small steps that to overcome that fear. And so really in order to do anything uncomfortable, ask yourself what you're scared of, what's holding you back, figure out what the consequences are for doing it. Cause fear is simply an emotion. Yeah. And yet we let it control ourselves. And so mm-hmm. like fear is no different than happiness or joy or, or anxiety or all these things are just, it's an emotion that we're feeling and for some reason, we let anxiety, fear, and all these other things control us in a different way than we do maybe joy or happiness. Yeah, I love that. It really is just an emotion and we can work our way through it. Let me ask you this. Um, I always tend to think that people like you, people maybe like me, I'm, I kind of am a little off I would say, you know, workaholic, I always got to be the best at the sports, you know, those types of people, very type A kind of extremists. Do you think, and this is kind of a deeper question, but do you think you are born like genetically or something in your genes where you were born with a little different something? Like think about Laird Hamilton and people like that, that are just like, I I believe that there is something in people like that where they seek the extremes or they go to the extremes or they're able to get to those levels. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. Um, So not everybody can be Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Not everybody can be Dwayne Johnson. But if you look at if you look at let's say let's say The Rock, Dwayne, he's a very different person than he is today than he was 20 years mm-hmm. ago when he started his wrestling career or his acting career. And so, the question is, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're asking is it nurture or nature? Yeah. And you're either born with it or you're not. And to a certain degree, we're all born with certain gifts and talents. But I've seen and coached incredibly talented individuals that lack the ability to sacrifice, display discipline, and and completely fail, even though they were far superior than some other athletes that superseded them because they learned discipline. They learned sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so we're all born with different talents. I think we all have a different baseline. Um, but you do anything for a long enough period of time, you can be so great. And yeah. so I've literally... You know, if someone was to see some of the headlines that we've created, they'd be like, that dude, different, genetic freak. (laughs) I was like Sports Illustrated said I was one of the 50 fittest freaks ever. And and I I was for the longest time, they convinced me that I was different. I'm like, I got to find out. So I went and had all the epigenetics and all the genetic testing. Dude, I'm just an average white Canadian. I don't have a I don't have a single genetic marker that separates me from anybody else. So if you're listening right now, that's amazing. Listening right now, I'm just like you. You're just like me. The secret to success is this, write this down. Do a lot of little things consistently over a long mm-hmm. period of time. Yeah. That's the only way to guarantee your failure is to stop showing up and quit. And the person that sticks with it, mm-hmm. that has that mentality that just says, I'm still going to be here. I'm yeah. still gonna be showing up. I'm going to outwork you. Yeah. Guarantee you that guy wins every single time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you really grasp that concept, and I don't know if you're familiar with Darren Hardy, he wrote the compound effect and it's, th- it's this whole philosophy. And I think that's when I saw radical success in my career, when I really grabbed a hold of that idea that nobody's better than me. Nobody's got a leg up. This is, it really comes down to, owning the story of I'm going to be the last one standing and understanding the teeny tiny small things every day are what matter, not the huge accomplishment. Nope. And that just changes the game. Incrementally better every single day. Best story I, I have um, if, to kind of illustrate this point is, like I said, I grew up a wrestler. It's, it's all I did. I loved it. In fact, my son's at wrestling practice right now. Yeah. Um, but there was this kid, his name was Matt. I remember his name. His name was Matt. And he was terrible. One of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. We all would like back in the day, we'd pick on him and what he was terrible. Anyways, I, I graduated. I won state my senior year. I went undefeated. I left and I'm like, this kid is never going to amount to anything. And a, a couple of years later, I, I came back and kind of like, hey, coach, can I come back and just meet the team and do some coaching and just hang out a little bit? This kid, Matt, 
he was unbelievable. And not only did he win state, he went on to, to win the national championships in Canada. Wow. And so I, I would I, I would have bet a lot of significant amount of money that, that kid amounts to nothing, but he just kept showing up. He was yeah. first on the mat. He was last to leave. And he just outworked everybody. And it was just so impressive. And it was just testament. The kid had zero talent. Like I'm talking wow. zero talent. And he ends up winning the national championships. Wow. That's like Michael Jordan. You know, it's just time. It's time in the gym, getting there early, leaving late. Just it's like right, you said. It's the right coach. It's the right people yeah. around you. It's the right mindset. It's an, it's an unwillingness to quit. Yeah. Yeah. We just went to a pro game, my son and I, um, for one of his Christmas presents, a pro basketball game. And I was, you know, just watching those shots fall. Like none of them are even hitting the rim. And he plays varsity basketball. And I'm like, this is so radically different. And all it is, is they've taken, you know, hundreds of thousands more shots than you have. You know, it's just consistency over time, just like you said. So did you grow up like, you know, excelling at things? Obviously, when you got to high school and you got to that level and winning state, you did. But were you kind of driven as a child? You know, I, I didn't have any brothers. Um, I just had three sisters. My dad, I, he couldn't probably name a single professional athlete. Um, my mom loves it, but she's, you know, she doesn't love sports, but she would, she would uh, entertain me and take me yeah. to a few games and whatnot. Um, and, and so, no, I, I, I think my drive actually comes from my grandmother. Um, she, mm. she, she immigrated from Ukraine. Yeah. And, um, so did my was, husband's family. Yeah. Awesome. And so just had just this incredible work ethic. I mean, you're talking a, a lady that was born in 1918, uh, whatever mm-hmm. it was, and just, you know, lived through so much adversity, but just always optimistic, uh, always willing to show up, always willing to outwork. Um, and so I, you know, looking back at kind of who in my family does what and what, and I would, I would say, man, I, I learned a ton from watching my grandmother just work and show up. And she built a massive network and network marketing and was with the same company for 40 years and got wow. to see the world and really, really cool. Um, so, so I would say, I would say it was part of the environment that I, that I got to, to witness um, her just show up. And so I just, if, if there was any part of um, yeah. na- the nurture, nature, really, yeah. yeah exactly. Or nature and nurture, really. For, right. So for I, your grandmother. Yeah. And so, but I mean, as far as like my natural, you know, what I, what I, what I gravitate to, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a dreamer. I do all these things. And my dad is a blue collar firefighter. I work really hard. And so I took kind of my grandmother's Mm -hmm. hard work and dreaming type thing. And my dad's ability to work really hard and I smashed them together. I dream, but man, I work hard. Yeah. And that's when the magic happens. You know, that's when the magic happens, the big vision, the big dreamer, but the ability to work really hard. And, and I think that's, that's one of the few things that's hard to teach. You know, you can teach people consistency, you can build their mindset and perseverance and all that, but it is hard to teach someone to work hard. It, it's very hard. Um, oh, I love that so much. I had, I was watching a documentary the other night. It's on Netflix. It's lead something, lead leaders or something like that. And it's these people around the world that are just doing incredible things. And this man that was, um, that segment of the documentary was on, he, you know, was being applauded for the work that he's doing in the world. And he said this, he said, talking about kind of generationally, he said, I stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before me that have done so much more with so much less. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, yeah. You know, I, I'm probably going to speak out of line or whatnot here, but it's, it, I have kids and it's frustrating watching their peers mm-hmm. have access to such unbelievable technology and so much opportunity yet do zip zero, nothing yeah. with it. And all I hear all day long from their peers is excuses of why yeah. they can't be successful and why, what's getting in their way. And I'm just like, nope, those are just lies. Those are just excuses. If you want something, especially in today's day and age, yeah, learn it. Yeah figure it out, do it. And right. they, like, there's so much opportunity in there's, the United States today. Um, it, it's one of the most frustrating things to to watch my kids as peers um, not be successful because yeah. they're just lazy and an, an unwillingness to work like you were just saying. Yeah. And a lack of ownership. I think if we, oh, I, there's so much lack of I, I'm like, can we please teach ownership 101 in high school and college? Because that is the number the, one thing this the, generation is missing. The entire school system in my, 
It needs to be changed. But in my opinion, over the next five years, we're going to see a drastic change um, in the oh. way that our kids go to school, attend school, learn, absorb all of it. There's a, there's yeah. a big shift coming. Yeah. And I think way less people are going to end up going to college, honestly. Honestly. You know, because you can learn everything you want to learn on YouTube, honestly, you know, yep. Every, everything's going to shift to be virtual type. Yeah. Learning. I think we're going to see a lot of universities go bankrupt, disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, the the whole school system needs to and is going to change. I, I say five years. That's a made up number. Um, it could be 10, could be 20. Yeah. It may not be in my lifetime, but um, I, at, at the speed at, at which things are happening, um, I, I can definitely see there's going to be a huge shakeup in the school system. Yeah. And it needs to happen. I mean, I'm 100%. here for that. hundred percent. My son's actually um, going to a charter school next year for high school. He'll be in ninth grade. And so he's going to a charter school that's half day school. So they take their core subjects and then half day sport. So whatever sport they're in, they, and so the beauty of that is that they're done their school and sports by three o'clock. So yeah. you get family time back. You know, you because if your kid's going to school till three o'clock and then they're playing a high level sport, you don't see them the whole time they're in high school. So yeah, I, I think, again, this is a, where this school system is flawed. They're just filling time. Yes. They're filling time because it's a requirement. And right. you could teach these kids in half the time, half the time of what you're doing, but they're just filling this bucket of time requirements. And it was awesome. The high school that I went to in Canada, I grew up in Calgary and we were, you know, we had the Olympics in 88. And so we mm. had these, we had the Olympic skating oval and we had all of these facilities and they were all right around where our high school was. And so our high school ended up being a pilot program. And I think it still happens today where these kids that are being groomed at high level sports and whatnot, mm-hmm. you can come to our high school, literally get half a day of school. Like you're yeah. saying, get all the work you need to get done. Right. And, and it allows them to go train so that I believe family is important. And it also gives them time yeah. for family. And so it, it's shocking that it hasn't come. I do want to say this though, you know, I, I blanket stated statement, statement of this entire generation there's a lot of amazing kids today yes absolutely you know and and you look at any generation there's turds and there's awesome (laughs) yeah and it just so happens there's a bigger population in the (laughs) generation so it happens to be there's more turds Um, but there is a lot of great people in this generation if you if you're in this generation please don't be offended because there is a lot of great of you and if you're one of the turds change you have that change every yes. single day to change, change your destiny. Every single day you wake up, you have a blank sheet of paper in front of you. Yep. Listen to this very carefully. Young generation, your past does not define your future. Mm-hmm. Not like what's standing in front of you. Make a change because yeah. the mind, the body, it's resilient and it will adapt and it will go through whatever you put it through. But you have to make that choice. You have to make that decision. Nobody can do that work for you. Nobody. Nobody, total ownership, just what we were saying. Yeah. You, and I don't care how much money you have either. You can't buy no. a healthy body. You can't buy an educated mind. You have right. to do the work. That's the one thing that a lot of people don't understand. They're like, ah, I'm wealthy now. I can just buy this, buy that. Nope. Can't buy love. Yeah, yeah. Can't buy fitness. Can't buy health. Yeah. Can't buy happiness. Can't buy a healthy family. You know, mm-hmm. can't buy any of that. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So before we wrap, I want to go back though, because I am so interested in the human body. What did your recovery look like after the 50-50-50? And then we still got to talk about what you just accomplished and conquered and what that recovery looks like or looked like. Yeah. Um, so after the 50, um, you know, it was interesting. It was seven weeks of 140.6 miles a day. And we were we were more trashed from the exhaustion than anything else. And so it mm-hmm. took a little bit to, to get, you know, the fatigue out of your body. Um, and leading up to the 50, I, I was doing one world record after another and really building that foundation. And that's a beautiful lesson for people is yeah. like, can't go from zero to 50. Mm-hmm. Got to build those foundational blocks. And then, cause I've seen a lot of people like attempt to do what we've tried to do and, and they, they don't do anything yeah. beforehand. They go, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do the 50 right like that and they ultimately fail because they forget about the foundational work if you're young if you're trying to do anything even if you're getting older stop trying to figure out like the secret sauce or whatever it is Mm -hmm. the basics over and over and over again the fundamentals over and over and over again and that's how you'll be successful but um you know we are just coming off of one of the 
craziest challenges that we've ever been on. But real quick, if you want to learn about the 50, there is a documentary yeah. on Amazon Prime. It's on Netflix and some of the locations. It's on Peacock. Um, it's on YouTube. You can download it off our, our site, ironcowboy.com. But when the pandemic hit, um, I, I do speaking around the world. I do coaching for large events and I race large events. Well, in 48 hours, that disappeared and my world yeah. like vanished. Well, I got, bo- I got bored. And when this guy gets bored, he <laughs> brain, his mind starts to turn and you know, the, the, the hundred, I mean, sorry, the, the 50 wasn't perfect. And because nobody else had done it before we're navigating, you can actually get our book redefine impossible. Um, and, and we, de- we do a deep dive into the mistakes that we made. And so, you know, over the years that I was speaking, I was always like, man, I, I wish I could do the 50 over again because of what I've learned. I've learned from my mistakes. Yeah. And I want to do it better. And I think a person that's driven, they're always like, want to do it better. Always, they're always wanting to do better. And I think, I think that's the goal in life is to continue to evolve, continue to be better in all aspects of our life. I truly believe we're never just standing still. We're either moving forward or we're slipping backwards. Yeah. And so when the pandemic hit, um, it really felt like I was slipping backwards because I had nothing to do. And it had been five years since I'd done anything at a high level, really competitive. And my, my mission had kind of changed from, finding out what I could do physically and mentally to help others right. um, the battles, the conversations they were having themselves, to believe in themselves again, to maybe take on their fears, make them intentionally uncomfortable. And so it almost felt like I was slipping backwards, even though I was helping a lot of people. Yeah. And when the pandemic hit, chaos happens, my world turn, gets turned upside down, everything gets canceled. And I say, this is my opportunity. This is your time. This is a this gift, is right? This is a gift. And, and what made the 50 so hard was the logistics, the mm-hmm. chaos, the new environment every single day. So I said, I posed a question to my two wingmen that were with me on the whole hundred, I'm sorry, 50. And I said, um, I keep making a mistake in what, what I'm saying. And it's alluding <laughs> to what we did. Um, um, and I said, if we can remove chaos, if we could put systems and team and protocols in place, could we double what everybody thought was impossible with the 50 and could we do what I now call defy logic? And um, and so we did on March 1st. I, I got buy off of my wife and I got the two wingmen on board and I put my entire team back together. And on March 1st in 2021, we set out on a journey, all done here in Utah, remote location, controlled environment. Could we do an Ironman a day, 140.6 miles for 100 consecutive days? That's a quarter of a year, no days off, 14,200 plus miles. And so March, March 1st, we set out on this journey. Um, this was almost one year, almost to the day that the pandemic hit, right? It had been March 1st, 2021. So the world okay. shut down. March 2020. I don't remember the date, but yeah. Yep. So almost so one you, year. So you trained, you rebuilt that foundation or built it back up for a so year. Here, so here's what's crazy. And this actually, this is what made the hundred so unique and so different from the 50 was um, it it took me obviously a while to realize what was happening, what was safe, (laughs) what was going to be safe, what wasn't going to be safe. Oh yes. Yes. A lot of guys. I thought you meant, I thought you meant your own brain with what you came up with. (laughs) Well, that, that too. Um, And so the official decision that we were going to push the go button um, was November 1st of 2020. So I actually did a four month training camp leading up to the most difficult endurance challenge in, in, in sports history. Um, and I was relying hundred percent on past experience and my mindset mm-hmm. that got me into a lot of trouble. Now I needed my mindset and I needed the past experience, but I also needed to be physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you'll hear this question posed a lot. Okay. When you do something, uh, is it more mental or is it more physical? And my answer to that is it's a hundred percent of both. Yeah. That both fall under the umbrella of spirituality. Oh. And so I was ready mentally. I wasn't ready physically and I had to rely on my past experience. And that caused a lot of problems because my body now six years older. So when I did the 50, I was 39 and I turned 45 on the hundred and didn't have the years of buildup like I did on the 50. Yeah. It's a very different experience. If the 50 was exhaustion and chaos, the, the hundred was injury, pain, and duration. Mm. Cause the 50 that sounds was awful. 
It was. <laughs> the 50 was seven weeks. The 100 was 14 weeks. So so to put to put a quarter of a year into perspective, it's from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day. So think of everything that happens in your life between Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all of January and halfway through February. That's it. And now do 140.6 miles every day. So that it's just insane. I mean, the average person, the average athlete, honestly, wraps their mind around 26.2 miles one time, one time. And I mean, there's, yeah. there's, so, there's so much that we can dive into um, with the hundred. I know we're going to be short on time. Um, but so th- this is kind of a, an interesting piece of the story. Um, so we make it past 50 days. Uh, we do it to perfection. And so every day we get a break, our, our, our own world record. Mm. And on day 59, we're out there riding, biking around Utah Lake here at the, at the base of the Rocky Mountains. And we always had a, a group of cyclists with us and there was regulars that came out and then people came from all over the country to yeah. join us every single day. That's so cool. And on day 59, as I was riding, um, the team around me, they heard a loud noise. It was a big bang. And we have it all on film. And they, they, they look back to see what the noise was. And it was, um, it was an accident. And the accident was me. I'd been hit. <gasps> and so I got knocked unconscious. And hit I'm by a car so not a car but there was the the cyclist that was right in front of me had a malfunction with their bike okay. and their their brakes locked up and literally we were going 20 something miles an hour and it was like hitting a brick wall oh my and the God. only way to describe it was like literally a landmine went off in front of me because she she dead stopped and went straight in the air what? and i was half a foot behind her and so i had zero time to react I'm, I'm through the air, uh, very violent crash, um, get knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this, this is, this is something that I, that I think every person young and old needs to do prior to a catastrophic moment. You have to be prepared in that moment to make a decision where you, where the decision's already made for you. Mm-hmm. And this is called an ethos. And an ethos is what you stand for black and white so that when you're in a moment where it's chaos, confusion and emotions involved and tied to it and you don't, it's really hard to make the right decision. Yeah. So just to give you one example of my ethos, it says, I finish what I start. Mm. Another one would be, I set the best example I know how for my kids. Mm-hmm. Another would be, I try to help people that are less fortunate than I am. And we were raising money to free humans from being yeah. sex trafficked today. And so as I'm laying there unconscious, I come back to wingman Aaron is there with me. He'd done all 5,900 mile bike rides with me. I come back to consciousness and he looks at me and he says, James, have we finished what we started? And I said, no. And he says, are you setting the best example you know how for your kids? Mm-hmm. I said, no. He says, if we raise the money we want to for sex trafficking and freeing humans. I said, no. He said, get back on your bike. It's time to ride. That's a wingman. That's a wingman. And the people around you have to know what you stand for and what your ethos yeah. is. And they have to buy in. And, and these guys, they buy in. They know who I am. They know who we are. And they know what we're trying to accomplish. Mm. And so I got back on my bike on day 59. Um, finished. No medics or anything at that point? Just got back on? Got back on the girl in front of the girl that crashed got taken away in a, in a, an ambulance. Cause she went face first into the ground, total reconstruction surgery needed. Um, a lot, a lot of really, a lot of bad things happened from it. I was very fortunate to only be knocked unconscious. Um, found out after the 50, I'm sorry, after the hundred, I was recovering. I was seeing progress, except for I still had this lingering pain in my back that wasn't getting any better. Well, it turns out I, I broke my L5 vertebrae in that accident and it ended up doing 41 Ironmans with a broken back. Um, and, and so this is, this is what I want people to take away from that story. One, I don't want any sympathy or empathy. I get it. I do these things on my own. I, I, I do this on my, to myself. Um, but it's where you choose to put your focus and attention yes. to what you're trying to achieve. And my focus, my attention was to raise the money mm-hmm. for people that are being enslaved today. And I could have quit on day 59. We'd already broken the world record. Yeah. We, we had gone further and done more than anybody in the world had. We, we were already one of 8 billion people in the world. 
but we didn't achieve our goal. And we'd set out the goal to raise $250,000 for the charity. And over the last 20 days, so from 80 to 100, we raised half a million dollars wow. that is funding operations to free human beings. So I ask myself all the time, what would have happened if I quit right. on day 59? Great. Pound my chest. Good for me. I did. I, I did more than anybody else. Right. Well, but did I have the impact that I set out to do? Yeah. Did I achieve every one of the goals that I set out to do? And the answer would have been no. And so I want everyone to ask themselves a question because we truly, we truly don't know who's watching us at any given time. Mm -hmm. So the question I want you guys to ask yourselves is if I quit today on whatever I'm doing, who am I missing the opportunity to impact and bless their lives? Yes. And even though you may think nobody's watching you, somebody right. is always watching you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're watching yourself. Yeah. And you're accountable for your actions and who we are when nobody's watching is truly who we are at our core. Mm, absolutely. And one of the, I'll finish on, I'll finish on this and then you can maybe ask any final questions, but um, what, what do you think we did after we all celebrated? Cause we made it to day 100. What do you think we did the following morning? Went out to train. We did one more. You did one more. I was thinking maybe you went for a casual three mile jog. No, we did. Oh I woke up God. and everybody was sleeping and I got in the pool all by myself and I swam 2.4 miles because sometimes in life when you're broken, when you're beat, when you don't want to, mm -hmm. we don't know when the finish line is, you're going to have to get up and do one more on your own. Yeah. And so I got up and I swam by myself and my team saw me. Mm. We went live on Instagram. They saw me in the water by myself and they said, not today. And they all got their bikes and we did a final 112 miles as a victory lap. And then together around our community, we ran the final marathon to make it 101 days. And I truly believe that if you're a leader or want to be a leader, yeah. you have to do things you don't want to do. Yeah. And you have to lead from the front and you should never ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think day 101 has more significance Mm. In the previous hundred days prior to it. Combined, probably. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Gosh. I mean, I'm going to go listen to my own podcast immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I got to ask you this, and I hope you don't mind me asking this question, but like, I can't help but just be, you know, spiritually moved by like all of this and wondering like, where is God in all of this and how much were you carried through by just something way bigger than you? And, and what were your, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. It really, it, it's, it's all inspiring and, and divine, you know, yeah. you know, we're, we're, a, we're a Christian based family and, um, you know, you, you do, you do a lot of things because of intuition and faith. And a lot of times, cause on the surface, these challenges that we do, they don't make sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we, when we get the ideas to do these things, we're always like, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? Mm -hmm. And my wife and I always fall back on, well, we don't know how, and we don't know yeah. why, but we know it's supposed to happen. And, and we've just lived our life and career that way. And, and every time we look back and having all these questions along the way, mm -hmm. Once you're on the other side of it, you go, ah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, why that happened yeah. that way and why I was guided to go this direction and why yeah. this person was put in my path. Um, you know, we get asked the question a lot. How, how did you do that? Yeah. And, and my wife just says, Jesus, like that's yeah. it. Like that's yeah. um, because, you know, there, there's once once the, the Hunter documentary comes out, there's just so much that happened that was divine. Um call it, call it whatever you want to call it. But it was, it was, it was crazy to look back and, and see the experiences and the impact and the, the ripple effect that, that, that our little family got to have, yeah. um, never prayed so much in my life, um, during, during those hundred days. <laughs> um, I bet you, know, you probably felt the closest to Jesus that you ever have. I 100%. mean, how could you not? Yeah. yeah. How could you not? And I, I think, I think everybody should experience insane amounts of struggle and adversity in their lives. Mm -hmm. 
I know, I know nobody wants to hear that. And, you know, we lost everything in the recession and, and hit rock bottom. And, you know, you, you don't forget the moment they knock on your door and take away your home. Um, you know, as, as a, as a provider with little kids, yeah. you don't forget that moment. Um, but anybody out there right now that is truly struggling, that they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, that it seems impossible. I want you just to keep showing up in your lives because it's truly a blessing. In fact, I want to say congratulations for currently being at rock bottom mm -hmm. because there's, if you choose to continue to show up, continue to chip away and continue to dig yourself out of this hole, there's so much greatness on yeah. the other side of it. And you'll learn so much. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was them taking away my home yeah. was us losing everything because my wife and I had to lock arms we had to say, we can do this. We just have to do it one day at a time. Yeah. And, and we did that. And our life is completely different today. Um, we, are, we are so incredibly blessed with, with what we have, the opportunities we get to do, the people we get to impact, the events we get to attend and, and present at. Um, it, it's just incredible. And, and when I was sitting there at rock bottom, there's zero way I could have ever imagined it would be yeah. this. I would have yeah. never thought it would be this great. Um, and like I said, we're truly blessed, but it, it, it wasn't given to us. Yeah. Um, it was the, the path was shown to us, but we still had to show up and walk down that path. Yeah. And, and, and walk so through all the fear. People. Yeah. And yeah, listen, just fear. listen. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, I always say, listen to the whisper because from a young age, I've just kind of gone where I felt called and, and it, when you start doing that at a younger age and you start to have those experiences of like, oh my gosh, I could never have imagined this. It was, it was crazy to move across the country and, and do, you know, do whatever. And then it pans out like in a magical way. It's just like bricks in your faith. And so you're quicker to do it the next time and you're quicker to do that the next time. But it's amazing to me that so many people just aren't even tuned into that, you know, because it's there every single day. Like that guidance, that whisper that's calling you to, I mean, as silly as it sounds, like go straight or take a right. You know what I mean? When you're driving your car, like to the really big things. I mean, that that knowing in your soul is God just whispering to you. And and I, I think that the crazier the thing is, like <laughs> 50 Ironmans in 50 days and 50 states or 100 and 100, the crazier it is, the bigger the leap of faith the bigger the experience on the other side is, you know, yeah, it's all inspiring. Yeah. hundred percent. And I'm, I'm grateful that my wife is, is so in tune as, as well and is yeah. willing to sacrifice alongside of us. And, and she's been an unbelievable support system and mother and husband and through all of this. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we've talked about, you know, some people's unwillingness to do the work, and that, that means that they're currently seeking comfort today. Mm -hmm. And, and I caution those that are seeking comfort today. There will come a day where you will not have an option and you will be uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you choose to seek discomfort, comfort and discomfort will be an option to you. Yeah. And so choose your paths wisely. You can either sacrifice now for comfort later in your life or be comfortable now for discomfort and no options later in your life. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. James, thank you for your time tonight. I feel like I got to go for a 10 mile run and jump in an ice bath and do all kinds of things now. But I love too that you are the person to have accomplished all this. You know, just like you said in the beginning, you are just an everyday guy. And you actually went and got the testing done to prove that you are just an everyday guy. I mean, sounds very similar to some other stories I've heard, you know, there, he uses the everyday people to show the extraordinary work. And so I appreciate you and what you've accomplished, but also just what you're doing in the world. It's extraordinary and amazing. And tell me before we are, as we wrap up, what's coming up, what's, what's next. I'll put all the links to the books and the documentary and everything in the show notes. So people can grab that, but do you have anything coming up launching? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of coaching for for many years, uh, both mindset and physical coaching. Uh, we've got our book, Redefine Impossible. It's out right now. The documentary called Iron Cowboy that's on um, all, all the big streaming platforms, depending on where you're at is where it is. Um, and the new book will be coming out in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully the documentary uh, about the 100 will be coming out in the, you know, around Christmas time of next year. And, um, but what I'm most excited about is in March of this year, um, March of 2023, um, we're launching our entire mindset retreat program. Um, because, you know, again, the number one question I get is how do I become Mm -hmm. more mentally tough? And you're not going to become more mentally tough by listening to us on this podcast. You're not going to become more mentally tough by reading my book, by listening to guys like Ed Milet and Tom Bilyeu and all these incredible people you're going to become more mentally tough by having an experience, by choosing to show up on your journey and have an experience. And so we're going to have the entire online access to us, mental coaching activities, things to do, challenges, but then we're going to have some pretty exceptional retreats. And actually November of 2023, um, I just booked out an entire private island in the British Virgin Islands. It's going to be a VIP event, 25 people only, and we're going to have a five-day, four-night, four five-day experience um, where you get access to me, my entire team, and we're going to have an unbelievable experience um, out on the island. And so that's coming up. We're going to release those official dates and enrollment wow. in March of 2023. Um, and I'm just, that's what I'm most excited about is yeah. really, I've accomplished everything that I want to. I believe I can accomplish anything I want to. I just have to weigh sacrifices and mm-hmm. what the benefit or or um, or reward is. And so yeah. now I'm shifting my focus to once me staying physically and mentally fit, but helping others yeah. win the battles, win the conversations they're having with themselves and truly accomplish what they were put on this earth to accomplish. Oh, I love it. Sign me up. I want a spot. I mean, BVI's that's like one of my most, I think it's the most beautiful place I've ever been in the world. And I mean, I have no desire to go sit at a bougie retreat or hotel. I want to go do exactly what you're talking about. That sounds amazing. And we need more of that in the world. Like, experience immersive, you know, where you come back a different person versus just going and numbing yourself well, out the whole time. I guarantee you the 25 people that, that are going to come to that island with us will be changed when they yeah. leave that island. Um, we're going to do mindfulness. We're going to do yoga. We're going to do physical activities. We're going to do learning. It's just going to be really cool. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything tonight. Everything will be in the show notes below. I really appreciate your time and just keep crushing it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for listening. I want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be super, super helpful to us. And share in your social media. Tag me. I love hearing what you guys have to say, your takeaways, all the things. So make sure you're tagging me in your social media posts when you share the episodes. And we will see you next week.